I'm thankful you're here. You know, it's not Christmas time yet, but it's uh, pretty soon it's going to be. How many of you at Christmas time, you have the tradition of watching It's a Wonderful Life? Raise your hand. I fall asleep through that movie every Christmas. I do. And uh, now, that's not biblical. Um, For example, Clarence um, is not the right kind of angel. (laughs) You You know that, because Clarence is not not intimidating. Uh, every time the, in the Bible when an angel shows up, you know the first thing the angel says, right? Remember, do not be afraid, okay? When Clarence shows up, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid, you know? Uh, and, and that whole bell and wing thing, that's not really a thing. <laughs> I just want you to know that. But, uh, but it is a good movie, you know? It's, it's the, it, it answers that important question, um, why am I here? Um, you know, we've been in a series called Asking for a Friend, and it's a, it's a doctrinal series. We're kind of looking at what the Bible says about some important questions in life. And, and you know, a couple weeks ago, we sent out kind of a, a social media thing about what kind of questions have some of your friends asked about God. And we've had some interesting ones like, like what would it be like if I'm not here? That's a question we've all probably faced. Uh, uh, George faced that in the movie, right? It's George, right? I fall asleep uh, in It's a Wonderful Life. But, um, uh, you know, we've had some questions like, am I doing good? What's God's plan for me? What career does he want me in? Which way should I go? You, you know, when you think about those questions, those are, those are like searching type questions. And, and I think they're good questions. And, and I think you can summarize that question and kind of merge those questions uh, with this, this question, and it's simply this, what's my purpose in life? What is your purpose in life? I mean, surely there's more to life than a career or making money or buying a house or winning some trophy. You know, we've all had degrees of that in our lives, and that didn't ultimately satisfy us. And so what is your purpose in life? You know, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that uh, is one of my favorite in all of, it's, it's foundational for me. It's a foundational passage of Scripture for me. It's in Matthew chapter 9. If you have your Bible, turn there. Matthew chapter 9. And, and this was actually the passage that I preached on my very first Sunday when I came in view of a call 10, over 10 years ago. And I love this passage of Scripture. It's foundational in my life. And, and, and you know, I think that this passage speaks to our purpose in life. And so let's stand together and let's look at this. And I'm praying God's word is used today to shape us and to shape our thinking. In verse 35, Matthew chapter 9, that's where we are. Matthew 9, 35. When, when Jesus, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, preaching in their synagogues, and, or teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into his harvest field. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now man, I, I would have loved to have been there in this moment. 
I would have loved to have been in the crowd. In fact, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask to see the video of this moment. I want to see it. I want to experience this. I, I would have loved to have heard Jesus teach. I would have loved to have seen his facial expressions and to watch him and to interact with him. And, and that would have been just amazing to recognize. Now, now in this passage, you see some, some important things just in the context. Let's look at it. Uh, the first thing you see is you see the ministry of Jesus. This is evident because look at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. He was teaching in their synagogues. He was preaching the good news of the kingdom. You see that this is early in Jesus' ministry, and, and the disciples that he had, he had called them, and they were walking with him, and, and people were, were inspired by him. They were, Nicodemus, for example, was this teacher of the law that he was blown away at Jesus. He's like, look, nobody teaches like you. I mean, from the age of 12, when Jesus would speak, people were drawn to him, and, and you know, he was a fascinating, powerful teacher. And, and so he was teaching in the synagogues, and, and, and look what he was doing. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. It's interesting as you look at, at Jesus' life, and no wonder he was so powerful. I mean, think, you know who he is. He was God in the flesh. But, but, but you know, he, his beginning was miraculous. He was born of a virgin. Nobody, I mean, the prophets spoke to this. The prophets said this was going to happen. And people were looking for Jesus at this time in the history of the world. And, and, and he came just like he, the prophets said he would come, just like God said he would come. And then he lived this life that the people that saw him said, nobody's like you. And then he died this death that the Bible very clearly articulates as substitutionary, that the death that Jesus died was a substitute for you and me, and the Bible reveals this. And then, miraculously, Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, and that makes, I mean, it's interesting that early on in his life, when Jesus was walking around, his brothers did not believe in him. The Bible tells us this, that his brothers didn't know, didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. But then afterwards, after the resurrection, James, his brother, writes, he's my Lord and Savior. Well, the resurrection changed everything. And, and, and Jesus conquered the grave. And then he ascended into heaven. And, and the Bible says there's going to be a day he's going to return. Let me tell you something. No one is like Jesus. The ministry of Jesus points to the life of Jesus, the, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and, and the future return of Jesus. And in this passage, you see the, the ministry of Jesus. But, but what was he doing? He was, uh, the ministry, he was healing every, look at that. He says he was healing every disease and sickness. Now, of course, he was healing the, the sicknesses of the day. I mean, there, there were things that people got sick, sick from in the first century. But, but, but let's think of the real sickness that he healed. He didn't just heal the, the physical sickness, but because of the substitutionary death of Jesus, because of his resurrection, he healed the disease that has plagued humanity from the beginning. He healed their sin. And, and you, know, you know what we got to see this week? We got to see that take place this week. I got to tell you about Tuesday. On Tuesday, one of our, I went with one of our church members to, to see his, his mother, who was 71 years old, and 
And, uh, and we went to where she was living in Broken Arrow, and, and, and together we, we sat down and talked about Christ and about what Jesus did. And, and right before our eyes, you know what? We got, to, we got to see her come to faith in Christ right in front of us. And, and you know what's amazing is that, is that right then, in that moment, though she still looked the same, though, though we couldn't see it, she was healed of this disease called sin. And it was amazing. It happened right in front of our eyes. And then, and then I, I leave Broken Arrow, and I'm on my way and, uh, back to my house, and I got a call from Holland. And, and, as, and that, well, I guess it was a little bit later when I got home. Holland called me and said, Pastor Chris, I just trusted Christ as our Savior, as my Savior. And, and on Tuesday, a 71-year-old and a 7-year-old trusted Christ as their Savior. And you know what happened? In that moment, they were healed of the worst disease that has plagued humanity from the beginning called sin and death. Those were completely healed on Tuesday in the lives of those two people. And so let's recognize that the ministry of Jesus was to come healing disease and sickness. And you see that in this passage. You also see the heart of Jesus. And, and, and the heart of Jesus, look at, look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, it says, he had compassion on them. That word compassion is a, is a very important word. It's, it, it speaks to the, the heart of Jesus for, 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 for the people that he saw. You know, you know it's the same word that use, it's used for bowels. It's the same word used in Acts when, when Judas died. He committed suicide. And, 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 and the word is used that his bowels spilled out. Kind of a graphic picture. But this, this is the word that Matthew uses here because when he saw Jesus, he said he was so moved in his bowels. And you see the heart of Jesus for people. When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. Why? Because these people were harassed and, and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And in this passage, is so fascinating because you, you see the heart of Jesus. You see the burden of Jesus as he sees people. And, and, and I want you to know that's how Jesus sees us. He's burdened for us. He has a burden for us. And, and, and I'll tell you, I, I, that moves me in this passage. In this passage, you also hear the challenge of Jesus. Look at verse 37. And then he said to his disciples... He gathers them together and says, uh, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends workers into his harvest field. And I can almost see the moment, and, and, I, and I hope to see the video as, as, as Jesus gathers the disciples together with an intense burden and with an incredible passion. And he says, guys, look, I want you to look. Look at all these people. They're coming to us, and, and, and let's look at them. They are harassed. They are helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he gathers them. I can almost hear the, the, the guttural passion of Jesus. And he says, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are fruit. Let, let's pray that God sends workers into his 
harvest field. And you know what those disciples, they, they responded to the prayer of Jesus and they, and they acted and, and we can trace their lives. And though it was a little rocky, though there was some stumbling as the disciples put that into practice, but, but they did, they put it into practice and they embraced the call of God and they embraced that prayer. And then they responded to that prayer. They were the answer to that prayer. And look at what's happening. It's 2022. And here we are in Indian territory, thousands of miles away from that place. And yet, we could trace, and I think we'll be able to do this in heaven, you will be able to trace the gospel story that went from that moment to your life. And that'd be pretty cool to trace. But, but you see the challenge of Jesus. And, and this passage is foundational. But do you know what else you see? When you look at this passage, you know what I think you see very clearly? I think you see, uh, you see the purpose for every human being. And I don't want us to miss that in this passage. And, 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 and here's the thing. You always get clarity from your life, for your life when you look closely at Jesus. I don't, let's not forget that. Because I, I think back in my life when I'm, when I'm searching for clarity and searching for understanding, searching for what to do, that comes into focus more clearly when I look hard at Jesus. So let's do that today. And Can, can I just summarize the purpose for our lives? It's simply this, to know God and to make him known is your purpose, is my purpose. Let's think about this. That's something I pray we get today, to know God and then to make him known. I'll tell you what, if we spend our lives in that pursuit if you spend your life, if I spend my life knowing God and then working to make him known, I guarantee you, we'll stand before the Lord and be like, all right, that was worth it. That right there was worth it. You know what I pray for, for us as a church during the time that we're called to live, during this world that we're in, during, in this place where God has called each one of us? is we spend our lives knowing God and making him, making him known. So let's break this down for just a second. Let's think about it. To know God. And, and as I meditated on this passage, I looked at this passage, I kept looking at the first two words of verse 35. Look at those first two words. Jesus went. I just kept thinking about that. I kept wrestling with Jesus Went. I mean, think about where, where he went. Where Jesus went from heaven to earth, right? Jesus went from to the towns and villages. It says right there. Jesus went to people in the synagogues. I mean, those are the people that were going to church, if you will. I mean, like what what we've done. We've come to church not just to hang out. Though it's good to hang out with believers and brothers and sisters in Christ, it's beneficial for us, it's helpful for us, it strengthens us. 
But, but what are we doing here? We're seeking God, right? That's what we're doing. We're seeking the Lord. And, that's, and Jesus went to people in the synagogues. Not everybody was doing that. Maybe not everybody's doing that today. Oh, but let's do that today. He went to people who were sick and diseased, harassed, helpless, wandering aimlessly. Jesus went to them. And when you look at Jesus and trace his life and ministry, I can't help but see how he noticed people. He always noticed people. He noticed us. He noticed you. He noticed me. I'm grateful for that. And, and, and he's come to this town. He's come to us. And point number one, I think, is very uh, significant that God in the flesh entered human history. Why? Because he sees each one of us. That's who Jesus is. John 1.14 says this, that, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's what God did. God, in the, in the God the Father, God the Son became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. That, that when Jesus entered human history, he came and he was, he was offering, he was full of grace. And we know what grace is. That's that gift that has been given that we don't deserve. It's that gift of forgiveness. And Jesus was extending grace. He was extending truth. Jesus was God with skin, and he sees you. He's come to you. Notice this, verse 35. He went through the towns, towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. What was he teaching? He was preaching the good news of the kingdom. And this is the message that, that, that God continues to communicate. God continues to communicate a clear message to you and me. Why? Because he loves each one of us. We sang about, oh, how he, he loves you. And that's something, no matter, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, that, like Romans 5, 8 says, that even though you were a sinner, even though you were rebellious, Christ died for you. It's amazing. And he was preaching this message of the kingdom. Why? Message of the kingdom. Well, you know what the... You know what the kingdom means? And let, let's re wrestle with this a little bit. There's a destination when your life comes to an end. The kingdom message that Jesus preached. This was a repeated message. Flip over to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. I just want you to see verse 23 in Matthew chapter 4. See, this is another time that, that Jesus, Matthew 4, 23, says this, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus was constantly talking about the kingdom and, and, and he, was, he was helping us understand the kingdom. Now, now the kingdom of God, what does it mean? It, it describes something that's right now. Right now, we're, we're experiencing the kingdom in this moment. Wow, because the Holy Spirit is moving. We experienced the kingdom in our church this week because God saved two ladies on Tuesday. 
And that's part of the kingdom of coming to earth. And, and, and when, when we pray and get on our knees and God leads us and he answers prayer and he guides us and he corrects us, he confronts us, that's the kingdom of God at work in your lives. When, when you're down and God uses you to, to encourage a brother or sister, that's the kingdom of God at work in our lives. So the kingdom describes something that's right now. But the kingdom also describes something that's not yet. You realize that there's going to be a, there's a coming kingdom. There's going to be a day that Jesus comes and, and, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And there's going to be a time that Jesus returns and, and time and history will change forever. And this is something we're looking to uh, there's going to be a time when we will enter the kingdom of God. I got to tell you about, about a guy in our church. Um, you know, uh, I got a phone call on Thursday and Friday I go up to the hospital to see Jim Coley. And you may not know Jim Coley, but you all know Jim Coley if you've been here very long. Jim Coley would often sit where Mark Rodman is right now. Mark, raise your hand. That's not Jim Coley. That's Mark Rodman. But Jim would often sit there. And if you've been in the back right there, you've, many of you have helped him stand up when we're singing or something. And Because and, uh, Jim's health is declining. He got a phone call, and he had to be rushed to the hospital, and and the, the, the call came and said, hey, there's nothing we can do. Jim's the guy that has the greatest amen that I've ever heard. It's the deepest amen. And I go to the hospital to try to encourage him. And if you know Jim Coley, he's got the hands of an offensive lineman from the Tennessee Titans, right? That's, that's his hand. They're, they're ginormous. And I go up there to encourage him, and I put my hand in his hand, and I could not see my hand. And actually, it kind of hurt, but I just didn't say anything because I was kind of like, oh, man, he's squeezing that bad boy. And I go to pray with him to encourage him. And he goes, you know, Chris, you know what? I'm going to see Jesus soon. I'm going to see Jesus soon. And, you know, I tried to encourage that man, and I just found myself being encouraged about the kingdom that is coming. And I'll tell you, you know what the, one of the greatest strengths of our church is? You know, one of the things I love the most about our church is we got some guys like Jim Coley who've been in the rodeo for a while who've been running a race for a while. And you know what Jim taught me as a pastor? Hey, there's a kingdom, Chris. And it's going to be amazing. I'm going to get to see Jesus face to face. You see, where, where does that confidence come from? It comes from? It comes from knowing God. You see, I sat with a man that knows God. And when those kind of calls come, you're like, that's, hey, there's a kingdom. You know what? So many people live for this world only. 
Oh, don't do that. There's a kingdom. And you know what? Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And, and, and you know what the Bible says? That, that he is now seated at the right hand of God. Psalm 110 says this. Acts 2 says this. That right now, Jesus is on the throne and, and his, his spirit is moving among us and, and in us. And, and there's good news that, that there is real help. Because of the kingdom of God, there's real help with our struggles, our everyday struggles. And, and, and when you know God, you know this help. You experience this relationship. Your purpose is discovered when you know God. But let's not miss the second step to our purpose. Um, To know God is a critical part of our purpose, but, but now that second part, to make him known. Look at verse 37. These men knew God. They, they walked with Jesus. They, they heard him. They, they hung out with him. They were following him. And then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Fellas, but the workers are few. Let's get together and because when, 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 when we pray, look, that's important to get on our knees and pray. Let's pray to the Lord of the harvest that workers go into the field, the harvest field. And as I look at this, our purpose is to to know God, to make him known. Life is most fulfilling when we know and do the will of God. And you know what I'm thankful for is the Bible was written so that we can know the will of God. The Bible was written so that you can know how to have eternal life, that you can walk with the Lord. It's his word that's a lamp to our feet, like Psalm 119 says. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And knowing God and, and making him known is, is the calling. And when, you, when you're in that zone and when you're walking that road, let me tell you, that's where life is most fulfilling. And we've learned not to keep our eye on just what we see around here. We've learned that, that, that being a part of, of the purposes of God, the will of God, is, is the, it produces a life, a gospel adventure that you don't want to miss. And I don't want you to miss the joy, the, the incredible journey of walking with Jesus. You can do this. You know, one of the things I love about being a Baptist is we have a confessional statement. And when we are called and we, we, we without apology, we push one another to, to, to walk with the Lord and to, and to know the Lord and then to make him known. And that's why we take missions and the call to missions seriously. And in our, in our confessional statement called the Baptist Faith and Message, Article 11 says this. Now, this is, this is a theological confession, but I think you can handle it, and, and you ought to go look at it later and, and process it because it makes, it's one of those statements that make you think a little bit. But on evangelism and missions in Article 11, it says this. It is the duty and privilege of every follower of Christ and of every church of the Lord Jesus Christ to endeavor to make disciples of all nations. The new birth of a man's spirit by God's Holy Spirit means the birth of love for others. Missionary effort on the part of all results thus upon a spiritual necessity of the regenerate life and is expressly repeatedly commanded in the teachings of Christ. 
I, I love this part. The Lord Jesus Christ has commanded the preaching of the gospel to all nations. Catch this. It is the duty of every child of God to seek constantly to win the loss to Christ by verbal witness undergirded by a Christian lifestyle and by other methods in harmony with the gospel of Christ. Now that's a statement that it'd be worth your time to go look at and process. But let me just summarize it. Basically what that statement means is that you're invited to join God in kingdom work. You and I are invited to to join the Lord, to walk with the Lord, to know the Lord, to serve the Lord where he's working. And and it is God's will to work through you. And I don't know if you've ever experienced the joy and the strength and and the blessing of God's spirit working through you. I don't want you to miss that. That's why we go on mission trips around here. That's why we uh, serve around here. That's why we hold one another accountable, not to just look inwardly, look at ourselves, but look at our community and notice where we live and and inject ourselves where we live and serve the Lord at work. And, And this is the calling we have to see our neighbors and see people around us because we understand this, to live in this zone of our purpose to know God and to make him known is this zone of joy that I don't want you to miss. And I look at this passage and I'm moved. And I, and I, in this foundational passage that I've preached more times than I can count. But as I wrestled for us this week, I kept just coming back to this urgency. God, I want to know you. I want to make you known in this world. And you know what? You know what I'm praying for our church? That we embrace this mission life. You know, this verse, verse 38, when Jesus said, ah, let's ask the Lord of the harvest, the sin workers. I keep thinking that you and I, we're we're, we're the answer to that prayer. And yesterday, my wife and I went on a date to the grocery store. It was a great date. meant a lot to her, so that's important. But you know what? We were at Reesers, and, you know, I've got this passage on my mind, and I'm praying through this passage, and, and I left the grocery store, and we saw this family again that we'd seen multiple times. And I said, Robin, do you think that's one of those Afghan families in our community? I see that maybe. You know what? I, I, I've seen them. But yesterday, I saw them. And, and you know what? I thought back of when I've seen them. And I've yet to just say, Hi. 
I'm so glad you're here. I've yet to engage them. Now, I confess to you, I'm not going to make that mistake next time. But oh, I just see this passage in this, and I feel this recommitment to knowing God and to making him known. And as I think about the crazy world that we are in, that's a pursuit of my life that I've recommitted to this week. You know, I, I, I read something this week. I was, I was reading this book on sharing the gospel and because um, I want to get better at that. And I wrote this quote down, and it says this, we must be honest, not only about the cost of repentance. You know, Jesus saved me. And when I repented of my sins and when Christ came into my life, the cost was high. Not for me, but for Jesus. Because God made him who knew no sin be sin for me so that I could be righteous. He says, we must not be honest not only about the cost of repentance, but also about the expiration date of the offer. And that struck me. Such honesty, he says, compels us to urgency. You realize that right now we are living in the days of grace. And Jesus very clearly articulated that there will be a time when Christ will return and it will be a day of judgment. And I know we live in a world that goes, oh, come on, that's harsh. Oh, wait, wait, we're just saying about how much God loves me. Oh, yeah, he does. He loves you so much that he clearly articulated there will be a day, an expiration date for that time of grace. And that's why Jesus said, today's the day of salvation. As I, as I wrestle through that revelation from God, I move to an urgency as a pastor to make sure I'm a pastor that lives with an urgency, that sees what Jesus sees. And, and that when I look at the ministry of Jesus, I go, yeah, that's the kind of ministry that we're called to. When I, when I look at the heart of Jesus, I say, Jesus, that, that's the heart I want in me. When I look at the the call of Jesus, that's the call. That's the call I'll, I'll respond to. So let's spend our lives embracing the purpose of God to know him and to make him known. And I'll tell you what I've done. I have recommitted my heart 
to that goal. And as your pastor, I just want to say to you, join me in that. Join me in that. Let's stop living for ourselves. And let's start living for the kingdom. You know, Joe's going to come, and we're going to have an invitation. And, um, you know, uh, Rob and Dana are going to come down. And, and, you know, an invitation is um, uh, important. Every time the word of God is preached, we should, I think we should have a time to respond. Rob and Dana are here, and, and you know, you may need somebody to just pray for you. And they're just willing to pray for you. You know, there's, there's power in somebody just praying for you. You don't have to, like, unload all your dirty laundry to them. You might just say, would you pray for me? Hey, they're willing. They're available to you. Maybe you're here today and, and you've been wondering about what your purpose in life is. Well, to know God and to make him known I'm going to be so bold to say, that's it. That's it. And maybe you found yourself living for stuff that is different than that. Well, look, let's recommit to that. I did. You can too. I should have. You should too. Maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior. Oh, today, that could be your story. Would you stand where you are right now? Lord Jesus, I love you. And today, we give you this time. And I pray that you would draw us to you. I pray that this would be a place, that we would be a body, we would be a church that knows you and makes you known. I love you, Jesus. Move us now, I pray, in your name. Amen.